Well, hello, everyone. This is J.B. Hickson with NBW Ministries, proclaiming the clear, accurate, and urgent gospel message from my humble studio nestled here within the tall timbers of Colorado. Thank you so much for joining us. It is Wednesday, October the 25th, 2023, and that means it's time for World Events Update with our good friend, Randy. And I want to mention we are always picking up new listeners. Uh, the Lord's uh, just really blessing the ministry right now with uh, a season of growth, which is fantastic. It just means opportunities to get the gospel out more, to spread the good news, to help encourage and edify the body of Christ. And so I'm so thankful for all of you who listen faithfully to our different podcasts. It's been a great week. We've had some some stellar guests on. I'll talk more about that in a moment. But because we do have uh, typically some new guests, I want to just mention that Randy is a dear friend. We've known each other for a number of years. Um, we intentionally do not mention his last name, but he is willing to connect if you'd like to. He'll, he'll be happy to connect by email and answer some questions. But uh, he is really an expert in a number of areas. He's a, he's a smart guy, for one thing, but he's also uh, just got a breadth of knowledge in a variety of areas. He's a, a certified private detective. He's been an EMT. He's been involved in uh, different industries and business world. Uh, and he's mainly, what we love about Randy is he's just got a lot of connections, a lot of uh, people that he knows that he can pick up the phone and call or text or uh, communicate through other means that that ha that have inside information. It doesn't mean that he's always uh, right, or they are always right, or I'm always right, but it's a great source of information and uh, that allows us to then kind of get the jump on some stories and also try to uh, get some inside uh, perspective on things from the military, the government, uh, other industries, and so forth. So uh, anyway, that's a little bit more about Randy. He's been a guest, a weekly guest on our program for a couple of years now. He's also a dear friend. And uh, by the way, this Saturday... We're going to have Randy and Shane, another close friend of mine. Uh, Shane is our resident technologist. And uh, I tell you what, uh, they are two of the smartest guys I know, and I'm so blessed to have them as friends. I've known Shane a lot longer than I've known Randy, uh, but uh, they complement one another well. And so for the first time, we're going to have them both on the program for a special weekend edition on Saturday uh, to talk about technology, uh, warfare, Bible prophecy, all of those things. And I know you can't wait for that. I can't either. It's going to be a great show on uh, Saturday. Uh, but this week, we've been focusing all week on uh, Israel. And if you've been following our podcast, you know we had Tom Hughes on Monday to talk about why Israel matters. Yesterday, we had Dr. Randall Price, another longtime friend of mine. I uh, used to work with him in a variety of contexts when I was in academia. Uh, and he talked about God's plan for Israel's future. Both of those shows are well worth uh, listening to. Uh, the one with uh, Randy Price was just uh, so educational, uh, giving some background on Palestine and use of the term, uh, the, the geographic region, just some of the history there. He's lived in Israel, uh, taught in Israel. He's led over 100 trips to Israel, and he's also been responsible for the Qumran excavation. Uh, after the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered. Uh, so he's just a brilliant guy. I hope you'll listen to that one from yesterday. Tomorrow, we've got Bill Salas on to talk some more about Israel's enemies. Uh, and then Friday, first-time guest John Haller, uh, who I've had the privilege of working with at various conferences, really respect him as a Bible prophecy expert. And he's going to come on to talk about what happens next for Israel. And then, as I mentioned, we've got a special Saturday podcast with Shane uh, and Randy. Uh, also, I want to remind you to check out notbyworks.org. Lots of great free resources uh, there in the news free section of our online store. Just go to notbyworks.org slash store. And then once you're on the store, click on the free section and feel free to download as many things as you want. You, you They're free to pass around and send to other people. They're there uh, for you guys to use and uh, as you see fit. And we're constantly adding more uh, content to that. And uh, so check out the store, check out all of our podcasts that are free, our videos and other resources that are available at uh, notbyworks.org. Now, uh, before I bring Randy on to talk about uh, all kinds of current events and give his insights on what's happening in the world, which, of course, we will focus uh, a great deal on Israel today, um, I wanted to uh, kind of share a passage of Scripture. But to introduce that passage, I want to give you a quote uh, from the book Target Israel uh, by the late Tim LaHaye and the late Ed Heinsohn, uh, two men who I'm, I had the privilege of knowing, uh, worked with on numerous occasions, uh, considered them uh, friends and mentors. Uh, they're both with the Lord now. But in that book, Target 
Israel, they had this to say, which I thought was uh, uh, very uh, timely. And uh, another friend of mine, Don Perkins, who we're hoping to have on the show soon, is the one that called my attention to this quote in a recent message that he did. But here's the quote from Target Israel by Tim LaHaye and Ed Heinsohn. Quote, everything about Israel and the Jewish people is miraculous. Consider the nation's supernatural origin. It all started with a 90-year-old woman who was impregnated by a 99-year-old man after they were no longer capable of bearing children. And the nation still exists after 4,000 years, while other nations and people have become extinct. Through the centuries, entire nations and governments have either rejected them or attempted to wipe them out. Today, the Jewish people number about 14 million in spite of consistent satanic hatred and efforts to destroy them, end quote. And Don Perkins uh, comments, quote, the hatred that we witness today that we see on TV is a demonic hatred, end quote. And, and Don is exactly right. So are Tim LaHaye and Ed Heinsohn. This is God's people. These are his chosen people, and he is not going to allow them to be wiped from the earth, as Iran has said uh, they want to do. So you now you shift your attention to the prophet Ezekiel, who tells us a great deal about Israel's future. And, and of course, that's where we get the uh, the prophecies about the Battle of Gog uh, from the land of Magog, referencing Russia and all the other surrounding uh, you know co-conspirators nationally with that uh, coming war, uh, groups like Turkey and uh, uh, other nations. And so uh, it's, it's just uh, an amazing thing that we see unfolding right before our eyes. But before you get to the Gog-Magog battle in Ezekiel 38 and 39, it's worth reading chapter 35, because in Ezekiel 35, God promises to desolate an enemy of Israel that has wanted to occupy Israel's land for millennia, uh, and he promises to return that land to his people in great glory uh, someday. Uh, it it uh, it's just it's amazing if you look at the last several chapters of of Ezekiel. You know, thirty five is announcing judgment on Edom, the most long standing enemy that goes all the way back uh, uh, to East, uh, Esau, <laughs> Jacob and Esau in the womb that battle. And so Edom here is representative of all of nations' enemies, the the most ancient uh, one. In fact, he says in Ezekiel thirty five verse five, because you have had an ancient hatred. Uh, for Israel is the idea there. But that's chapter 35. Chapter 36 is is contrasted with 35 because it says not only will God destroy Israel's enemies, but he will bless Israel incredibly and bring them back into the land in Ezekiel 36. In chapter 37, you see that rebirth beginning with the dry bones prophecy. Chapters 38 and 39 are the great end times battle of Gog and Magog, that northern alliance that comes against Israel. And then chapters 40 to 48, the final nine chapters of Ezekiel, are all about the glorious temple and the the, the final culmination of God's kingdom promise uh, to his uh, chosen uh, nation. But Edom was the nation that for the longest time and, and most uh, uh, severely had resisted Israel's uh, being in the promised land. And, uh, you know, it goes all the way back to Esau, like I said. But uh, if God is going to give Israel her land, as he's promised throughout the Old Testament, he promised it in chapter 34 of Ezekiel, by the way, then he's going to have to deal with Edom and all other nations that oppose Israel's possession of the land. So you, you read in, in, in chapter 35, verses 1 and 2, the Lord directed Israel to prophesy against Mount Seir, that's Edom. And he says, thus says the Lord God, behold, O Mount Seir, Edom, I am against you. I will stretch out my hand against you and make you most desolate. I shall lay your cities waste and you shall be desolate. Then you shall know that I am the Lord because you have had an ancient hatred and have shed the blood of the children uh, of Israel. Uh, so it's just an encouraging reminder, not you know, it's one of many, obviously, but just one that I uh, selected for our podcast uh, today. And we know that someday the Lord will cause all the earth to rejoice, as he goes on to say at the end of chapter 35, that all the earth will rejoice when he has made Edom a laughingstock 
in the world, just as Edom and many of Israel's enemies to this day are laughing at Israel. And then you get into chapter 36 when he reestablishes uh, Israel in the land. So uh, I know that there's a lot to be discouraged about, uh, and all eyes seem to be on Israel right now. But, you know, uh, Randy and I and, and many other uh, commentators have been uh, talking about this for quite some time. You know, Randy and I, for the last two years in the context of the Ukraine war, but many commentaries, myself included, uh, commentators, myself included, for the last, you know, nearly 20 years have been talking about how a day is going to come when the the tension in the Middle East over the land of Israel will boil over and we will see a battle that expands, grows, and eventually becomes a global conflagration. Now, do we know this for sure? Do we know that this is it? No, we don't. And I've been asking each of my guests uh, the same question, and they all are very careful to say the same thing I do. That is, it sure looks like it, but of course, we don't know for sure. Is it possible things could simmer down and we could have many more years before the end times battles heat up? Certainly, it's possible. But if you're asking my opinion, I think we are in it for the long haul, and uh, we need more than ever before to to stay rooted in the Word of God. We need more than ever before to make sure you know the Lord of God. And by the way, that's a uh, uh, something you can know with a certainty. First John five thirteen says, "I write these things that you may know that you have." eternal life. And so if there's never been a time in your life uh, where you've trusted in Jesus Christ, that's the only reason you should doubt. If your hope of eternity and eternal life is simply based on your heritage, your good works, uh, your family, your baptism, your church membership, anything like that, well then, yeah, you should be doubting. But if you have trusted in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who died and rose again for your sins, and you recognize that He alone can save you, and your hope is in Him, you're saved. And the Bible says that more than 160 times. And so today, as we talk, I know we're going to be talking about a lot of trouble in this world, some pretty intense things happening with the U.S. military. Uh, but as we talk about this, if you have not placed your faith in Christ, today's the day to do that, because I really believe uh, we're going to be rapidly hurtling into uh, an end of the world as we know it. Life will probably not be the same uh, before uh, too long. So, uh, Randy, uh, with that backdrop and that biblical basis, uh, we are so glad to have you as a resource to kind of give us your thoughts. You'll be the first to say you're not infallible, uh, but nevertheless, it's great to have someone who can give us some perspective. Welcome back, my friend. Well, thank you, sir. It's good to be here. Glad to see we're back for another week. Um, I'd rather be in heaven, but, you know, considering where we could be, like in the Middle East or something right now, I'm really happy to be here in Colorado getting ready for a snowstorm. Mm, mm. Well, anyway, as always, we've got lots of good news for everybody. So sit down, brace up, and um, I'll go through all of this. And I'm sure I'll get a couple hundred emails, and that's okay, because I try to answer them all. Um, not always to everybody's satisfaction, but, you know, we do the best we can. Anyway, we'll start off with Israel because that seems to be the topic at hand and everybody's interested. Um, like Pastor said, we've been anticipating this type of a battle, these kind of uh, circumstances for many years. Uh, he's right. We can't really say that this is it and this is going to lead to something bigger, but I would give that about a 99 to 1 chance that that is correct. That is where we're going. Mm. Um, like we said last week, we're going to worry. We're not going to worry about whether or not this is the Psalm 83 war or not. That's um, really immaterial at this time. There is a battle taking place. It is getting worse every day. And this is going to, this is not something I see stopping. Um, this is going to get worse day by day. And when I go through all of this today, I think you'll understand where I'm at. All right. According to my sources, we have 72 hours before the United States is ready to engage in a major conflict. Now, they're moving their carriers, their bombers, their fighters. Uh, we're moving in additional ground troops into the area. Um, unfortunately, you don't get to hear half of the news, and that's why I like to talk to some of the people that I know, because they usually have a pretty good grip on everything, and there are things they can't tell us, but this is what I've learned. In the last 24 hours, the United States and Israel have had um, special op forces in Gaza. Uh, unfortunately, they kind of got bushwhacked. 
And um, I don't think any of them died, but there are a lot of serious injuries in this little incursion. So if anybody thinks that we are not there and we are not involved, I'm here to tell you we're in it. Um, we have approximately 20,000 troops en route to the um, Mediterranean area, mostly into the Israeli area. We also have another 12,000 troops en route to um, just southwest of Iran, into the Gulf of Aden, and into basically what they're looking at is the Strait of Hormuz, because more than likely the Iranians are going to shut the oil off, the Russians are going to shut the oil off, along with Saudi Arabia and everybody else, and we're going to be running out of fuel very quickly. Strategic Petroleum Reserve is down to about 11 days, which um, if the oil gets caught, cut off, and we get caught with no additional, we cannot pump enough for our own domestic use, much less for the military. So you'll be looking at either rationing or no availability whatsoever. Now, there have been a lot of talk since this started a couple of weeks ago. Um, some of the photos that you've seen of the atrocities that were committed, I have checked with my contacts and they say they are legitimate. Whether they are the dismemberment, the disemboweling, or whatever they say they did occur. Unfortunately, a lot more were done than what we're gonna know about for a while. A lot more injuries and deaths have been involved, and that's a typical case with any war. Now, the Hamas fighters, we're given $10,000 a piece for each hostage they took. Mm. So that's why they took them and they kept them because unfortunately, Russia has been providing money to Iran. Iran went ahead and set the bounty up. So now you understand why there are hostages. Mm. If the United States and Israel make an incursion into Gaza, as far as a land attack goes, I would imagine all of those hostages will be put to death. They will not keep them alive. They will have no reason to keep them alive. So I hope people that are thinking about how they want to proceed um, understand that. I think they want to wipe out Hamas, that entire area, so they don't worry about it again. And I understand that. But as far as hostage rescue, you're going to sign a death warrant of everybody there. Just no doubt about it. Unless, of course, they're able to get some of them out. Uh, we don't know what we don't know. Uh, and even we, we certainly know we can't trust the mainstream media. It's completely controlled. Uh, and even with sources and, I, you know, a lot of the guys I've talked to this week have uh, similar sources on the ground there in Israel. And, and we still don't have you know absolute knowledge about everything. So it is possible that some of our special forces will successfully rescue and we pray and hope that they do. But I think that that you're right. Um, there's going to be some collateral damage. I feel like that you know we're trying to do everything we can to prevent it. Uh, I'm sure there are rogue elements of both is Israel's government and U.S. government that you know don't have a that don't value life and could care less about uh, protecting innocent lives. But by and large, both countries are you know still fairly moral and are going to do their best to mitigate collateral damage. But I think you're right. Once this thing reaches the next level, there's going to be a lot of bloodshed, unfortunately. Well, Hamas has basically made an overture to Israel. If we give you the hostages, would you cease operations? Now, I got to tell you what, I listen to the attacks on Israel every day. I've got a couple of apps I use. Every time there's a missile attack in Israel, I'm advised of it. And every day there have been hundreds of attacks. So if you were to take the hostages and declare a ceasefire, how long would it last? A week? Mm. A day? A month? So Israel's caught between a rock and a hard place in many more ways than what we actually understand. Yeah, the United States. Let ahead. me add, let me just add real quick. You know, Tom Hughes mentioned Monday from some of his sources some of the brutality that they're they're doing. So people that would cut off limbs, you know, behead people. Uh, uh, Randall Price mentioned yesterday how the Quran at least twice talks about how they should behead infidels. Um, anybody that would do that certainly cannot be trusted to keep a any kind of peacefire agreement, right? I mean, you're you're starting from a disadvantage because you're dealing with people that are inherently immoral. 
Exactly. And the thing is, I mean, this was a surprise attack. They could probably perform one anytime they wanted. So, you know, I have to come down on the side of the Israelis. They've got a problem. They've got to do something about it. Um, it's interesting that um, Mr. Netanyahu talked to uh, Putin a couple of days ago and said, if Hezbollah begins any type of a ground attack into Israel, they're going to go scorched earth on Lebanon, Syria, and Iraq. In other words, there will be nothing left standing. Now, I don't know what the other side of the conversation was. Uh, they didn't you know, bother to tell us about that. But uh, who, who said that? Netanyahu said that oh, to yeah, Putin. Right, right, right. Now, right, supposedly right. Putin had a heart attack and he's dead, but it's kind of like, you know, when he had cancer and everything else. I'll believe it. When they show the body, they have a, you know, a funeral. I think he's probably alive and well. He could be sick, but some happens to Putin. I fear who might take over after him. There are a lot worse people there than Putin. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe Prigozhin uh, could re- uh, revive and come back, and then everybody will think he's the Antichrist because he came back from the dead to take over the Northern Alliance. So there's a there's a there's a true false conspiracy theory that I'll just throw out there. <laughs> but I will tell you that crossed my mind more than once. Yeah, yeah, I don't think he's dead. He's probably somewhere in South America enjoying, you know, he's hanging the, out with he's hanging out. With, yeah, he's hanging out with Jeffrey Epstein on some island somewhere. Well, either that or the Nazis that went down after World War II. I'm sure they've still got a place down there. So you might be there with them. Who knows? Well, they're descendants. By now, most of them are dead. But absolutely, yeah. they, they they ended up uh, in uh, South America for sure. Well, you know, but by looking at Prigozhin, I don't know what his age was, but I got to think he's not that far ahead of him age-wise or behind him because that guy looked like he was 100 years old. That's true. But anyway, anyway so, okay. Now, uh, one little problem that occurred the day before yesterday, the Israelis, in their zeal to take out Hamas, took out an Egyptian tank and killed the members in the tank. Now, that never goes over well with a country that could be an adversary very quickly and is trying to hold their people back. So Egypt may very well get involved in this war. It's not because they didn't try to stay out. They just cannot. So that could be the thing that led towards it. Now, our friend, Mr. Erdogan, he has sent his, from Turkey. He has sent his navy to the Mediterranean. I don't think they're yet, there yet. He's also said that the state of Israel needs to cease. But then he came up yesterday and said, "I'd be willing to negotiate between Hamas and Israel." Now, somebody on the side of sending troops, uh, saying it should cease. I don't know that I want him involved, maybe in the negotiations, but we'll have to see. He did finally come out and say that he would go ahead and um, endorse Sweden becoming part of NATO. But then Orban from Hungary said, no, we don't want him in there. So for some reason, Sweden is having a problem getting into NATO, but I think they'll probably um, overcome that somewhere. Now, Israel right now is fighting on more than one front. They have Hamas, they have Lebanon, they have Syria. Now, the Iranians are moving their, the uh, Republican Guard down into Syria right now. They are on the border across from Israel, and they have a the militia, the Hezbollah, are in Lebanon, and they're also in Iraq on the border. There is constant activity going back between them. Um, Hezbollah will prove to be a much more difficult adversary than Hamas. Better train, better weapons, more money, and the Iranians are directly pushing them through trying to get this all to take place. Now, the Israeli Defense Force basically has 2,200 tanks, 167,000 troops, 360,000 reserves. Uh, that's enough for two fronts. If they're attacked on four, five, or six fronts, the United States, Britain, and the rest are going to have to step up. And if they don't, well, then I think we're going to see some pretty amazing stuff take place. Um, Israel now has a special squad that will hunt down all Hamas soldiers and kill them. There will be no trial. There will be no discussion. It will be like them hunting the Nazis after World War II. 
They're going to hunt him down. They're going to find him. And um, we know that that's going to cause some real problems. Mm. Israel, their Iron Dome is almost depleted. So the United States has went ahead and sent them more projectiles for the Iron Dome. And we've also sent them the three batteries that we have. Uh, the Iron Dome is very good, but unfortunately, there are not enough for all of the incoming missiles. And um, Israel is still going to be inundated and people are going to be dying by the hundreds or thousands, probably very soon. If operationally we are ready to go in 72 hours, then that means probably the week after that, something's going to happen because you can only keep so many troops on high alert and, you know, absorb the shelling and the missiles that they're getting before they're pressed on doing it. Now, I think we would have already seen something except for Mr. Biden and Mr. Obama. Obama says, do not harm the Palestinians that are not associated with Hamas. That's great. I don't know how you're going to tell the difference when you start going in on the ground. Biden waffles back and forth. He's going to do this. He's not going to do that. After watching him on the news yesterday, the guy just needs to be embalmed because he looks like the walking dead. Uh, you know, I haven't seen anybody look that bad in a long time. So don't be surprised if Biden is out of the equation soon. I don't think he can handle it. I mean, the guy is primed for a stroke, a heart attack or something with the pressure he's under. And then um, something's going to have to happen. But if you watch the United States Congress, you'll notice how much trouble they're having putting in a Speaker of the House. Watch very closely who they put in. Because if Biden goes, then Kamala Harris will become president. The Speaker of the House will probably move in temporarily to the vice president position. And that could be very easy or interesting in case something would happen to Ms. Harris. And um, so watch the politics because there are a lot of things going on there I don't think most people understand. You have Lindsey Graham wanting to burn down Iran today. Uh, you have some of the others waffling. You have some that are supporting Hamas. I still think, and I, I believe it more every day, that we're going to be in this, in the thick of it with Israel for a while. But then we're going to back out because we don't have the money for it. We don't have ground troops. We have given a lot of our supplies, munitions, et cetera, to the Ukraine. And I honestly do not know how long we could uh, maintain a, a, a direct fight with Iran and some of the other armies. It's not looking good as far as I'm concerned. But, you know, I don't know the exact extent of what the munitions have been depleted. But I know it's a bunch. Now, a couple of people have asked me about the iron beam, which is the laser that Israel is using on a limited basis. Now, everybody saw a film where we saw a bunch of different explosions in the air, and they said that this is the iron beam. No, that was the iron dome. The iron beam, when it shoots a beam of light, it is clear. You cannot see it. Uh, it's 100 kilowatt unit. It's good to about a mile and a half. Uh, the nice thing is, as long as you have electricity, you can replenish it. But here's the problem. The iron beam has to be on a target for 15 seconds before that target is destroyed. So that means you can do four of them a minute. Where if you're using the iron dome, you could probably put off 40, 30, 40, 50 rounds in a minute. So don't get excited about lasers. They are never going to be what we uh, find as the ultimate weapon. They'll never be good over five miles away. Uh, it would take a one megawatt laser to be effective that far. And they're testing them, but they're not doing very well. The weather, rain, etc., interferes with the beam, and they're not very fast. So anyway, hopefully that answers the questions that I got on that. Um, Hezbollah is stepping up their arms and their personnel on the borders. Um, supposedly, the Iranian Guard has almost 100,000 troops on the border right now. 
with another million volunteers coming to support them. They're being shipped by buses, by trains, by cars, whatever. So it, it sounds like a big army, and a big amount of troops, but let's face it. They have no experience. They have no weaponry. You know, a lot of people to pick up a gun and probably shoot themselves, but not a big problem. The biggest problem will be with the Iranian Republican Guard and Hezbollah. Those by themselves are bigger than the forces put up by Israel and attacking from different directions. They could take over. Uh, let's face it, uh, Israel can only stand so much of an onslaught. Um, Hezbollah is known to have cells in Mexico, along with Hamas. Hezbollah is also known, along with Hamas, the Russians and the Chinese, to have had sleeper cells in the United States. According to the sources that I check with, those are active and they're just waiting. Everybody believes as soon as Israel moves into Gaza, then everything else is going to come loose too. That will be the same time Hezbollah attacks. That will also lead up to the attacks within our country. And then Iran and the United States ultimately, I think, are going to probably get into this. For some reason, Congress believes that we should attack Iran. And I think that's the absolute worst thing that could ever happen because we have no ground troops to move in there. So it would be strictly a sea and air battle. And I got to tell you what, you can sustain that for so long, then you run out of ammunition, you run out of planes, whatever. And the moment we put our foot in Iran, Russia will become involved against us also. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the real danger here is that this thing is a powder keg that could easily expand. And and you're probably going to touch on this, but let's not forget, while all of this is going on with Israel and the potential for Iran and you know Russia and, of course, Syria and Lebanon and all these other actors that you've talked about, keep your eye on Southeast Asia, because that's, this would be the prime opportunity for China to make a move, or of course, North Korea, lots could happen. This is everybody. Um, I have no confidence that world leaders right now are going to have cool heads. I think, unfortunately, there are so many rogue leaders that are under the, the control of the Luciferian elite that when they see an opportunity, even if they don't get direct marching orders from the Luciferian elite, they may try something nefarious. It's it's just, it's it's got all the earmarks of a rapidly degenerating global situation that could could have uh, problems in a variety of uh, corners. Exactly. And we'll get into this a little bit more in a minute. Uh, China is probably the smartest of everybody in the group because they're just sitting back. Let us expend all of our energy, all of our munitions, all of our equipment, move in, take over Taiwan, whatever else they want to do, probably would not be much of a fight at all. Um, Hezbollah is known to have 100,000 rockets on the border of Israel at this time. Hamas had 30,000, of which I think they've used about 10,000. The only problem is with their weaponry, it's such poor quality that 550 of those have malfunctioned and coming back straight at the Hamas troops. So, you know, before I would shoot one of their missiles, I think I would do like you do with fireworks, light the fuse, run a half a block away and hide. But Hezbollah is going to be a completely different animal than what we've seen before. Now, the United States is moving their THAAD and their Aegis units into the area. Aegis basically is it's one of the best radar computer systems in the world. It is located on ships. It will control aircraft and ships only. It does not do anything with ground troops. That is the terminal high-altitude rocket that we use for incoming ballistic missiles. And the reason they're moving it into Israel at this time is because the missiles that Iran will fire off are ballistic missiles. They probably are nuclear, and there are probably a dozen of them that are available. Now, a dozen nuclear weapons into something the size of Israel would be devastating. Mm. Israel also has nuclear weapons. They don't admit it, but everybody knows they have it. And as we talked before about the Samson option, I will guarantee you they are sitting there thinking about using it. 
putting it on the table to use it in case they are attacked on maybe four, five, six, seven fronts. So we could see something there overnight that would be unbelievable. Now, Russia is still fighting in the Ukraine, and I don't think they're going to get involved unless they have to, which would be the Gog Magog scenario where a hook is put in the jaw and they're brought down for some reason. Right now, they are busy in the Ukraine. The Ukrainians are still trying to put up a war, uh, not much of one, but the Russians have moved the thermobaric artillery shells into Ukraine at this time, which basically massive explosion takes away the oxygen and can kill massive amounts of people at the same time. Um, they have bombs that they were using for a while. I don't know if they still are, but um, that that war is not over by any means. Looks like the Russians are going to make one last offensive here in probably the next month or six weeks. Uh, they're saving their shells, they're saving their artillery, their planes and everything else. And they have about a million troops now in theater instead of 750,000. And they are ready to move. So sometime here in the next few weeks, expect that to be also. The um, hospital explosion we talked about last week in Gaza was false. All that exploded at the hospital was the parking lot. There were some injuries, but there weren't 500 fatalities, as they said, uh, basically propaganda. That's all that was. Now, yeah, I mean, and and folks, the, <clears throat> there are a lot of other people out there saying the same thing. Joel Skousen reported on that. Uh, so it's hard to know uh, really what to make of that. But yeah, there's, uh, and I know uh, Mike Adams, and I don't agree with his assessment. And I think uh, Joel Skousen debunked some of Mike Adams' conclusions on that as well. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of confusion and misinformation out there about the whole hospital uh, thing. But but one thing that we can conclude, or at least I'm confident based on what I've read, uh, is that it was not Israel uh, doing that. It was uh, probably Hezbollah and an air m- missile from Hezbollah. They intercepted some cell phone calls uh, from uh, Hamas people talking amongst themselves about, hey, this wasn't us. Who did this? Where did this come from? And and so there's, there's. I think we can now conclude after some of the fog is lifted that it was the enemy that did this. But it, uh, who knows the extent of the the damage? Well, the misinformation, disinformation. I mean, it is so abundant. You have to dig forever to get to the truth, and sometimes that takes time. Now, if we go back to the Gulf War. Uh, There were allegations made at that time that Saddam Hussein had chemical weapons. Now, we know he did have them because he used them on his own people. Those weapons were moved to Syria before Desert Storm. Now, some might want to give me some pushback on that, but do your research, you'll find out the same thing. Uh, Basically, they are in a depot outside of Damascus. Now, Syria could use those chemical weapons. Uh, Hezbollah could use them, Hamas, whomever. But we, if we all remember in the Bible, it talks about the destruction basically of Damascus. Israel has said, if one chemical weapon is used against them, they will annihilate whoever sent it. So if those are used by Syria or Hezbollah, you can expect Israel to retaliate Mm. with nuclear weapons at that time. That would give some credence to Damascus not being here much longer because Hamas supposedly had plans for chemical warfare and stuff in um, Gaza. But the thing is, they they supposedly had this nice little sheet showing how to mix this stuff. Now, would you carry that on your body in a war zone? (laughs) I mean, how many people are going to do that? just makes no sense to me at all. So I think that that's probably baloney. But... Understand, we know Syria also has chemical weapons because Assad used them against his own people. So this is not a theory. This is not a conspiracy theory. It's a fact. They're known to be there, and the Israelis have already been planning for that just in case. Uh, The United States soldiers in Syria and Iraq are being attacked on a daily basis, There have been 14 bases that have been attacked, and there have been injuries in those attacks. 
And either the United States is going to have to have a more robust defense of that area, or they're going to have to pull those people out because a thousand soldiers against Hezbollah, Iran, they don't have a chance. So, yeah, it's it's uh, we saw yesterday in a press conference that the White House is now admitting that our troops have come under fire uh, in Iraq, in Syria. Um, you know, one of the things that you and I talked about off air is I understand it's it's hard to know what to believe, especially from mainstream media, which is all controlled by the Luciferians and it's it's propaganda. But generally speaking, when they know news is going to come out, they finally do leak it out or, or announce it. But what's striking about that to me is that's big news. When we have U.S. military servicemen and women engaged in warfare uh, and being injured, normally that's something that is reported right away and should be. Uh, the other thing that strikes me, and I know this is almost kind of mundane at this point because it's so commonplace, but we do have a constitution in this country such as it is, and it requires the con- congressional approval before any war. And yet for decades, we've been just you know going to war at will whenever we want, both you know real known ops and black ops, uh, without congressional approval. And it's just... Uh, stunning to me that no one is really even talking about that. Where's Congress is so distracted right now trying to find their fifth, sixth, seventh, I've lost count, candidate to be Speaker of the House, which is all theater. It's all completely staged theater uh, that they they can't even do their job, which is supposed to be to decide whether or not we send in troops to certain uh, things. And so uh, you may argue, oh, that's just, it's unwieldy. You shouldn't do that. That doesn't matter. The fact is that's what uh, the law says. And so just one more example of how our Constitution is worthless. Uh, I hope uh, that if we get into another uh, uh, you know, toilet paper pandemic like we had back in 2020, maybe people there in the National Archives can, can pull it out of the glass case and, and use it as a backup, because that's about all it's worth these days, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, that is... I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, that's just pretty clear that... <laughs> Okay, moving right along. Um, in case this is getting to you and you can't handle it, in South Korea, they now have the Church of the AI chatbot. Oh, you can call, you can talk to it, and it will try to soothe your soul. Now, I haven't tried. I'm not going to waste the phone call, but, you know, for some, there will probably be some that try that. But that just goes to show there's so many weird things happening on each side of the spectrum, and in the middle, nobody can keep track of what's going on. And we know a lot of it's diversion, no doubt about it. Um, You know, we've been mentioning get your ammo, your food, your water, and everything for months, it seems like. Uh, I noticed that the um, ammunition is called um, 556 NATO. It's basically like a 223. Uh, And a lot of hunters use it. A lot of people from our sport use it. Uh, the price of that went up 39% in one week. They are now a dollar a shell. So if you didn't get your ammo before, now is not a good time to buy it, but it reflects food costs and everything else. All right. The USA has B-2 bombers, B-1 bombers, B-52 bombers, F-16s, F-15s in the Middle East at this time. So they're getting ready for something. I also note that finally the press admitted that there was a third aircraft carrier en route to the Mediterranean, and that is the Kennedy, I believe, or the Washington. One of those, it's one of those two. Anyway, there are no planes on the deck. Now, nobody can convince me or give me a good reason why there are no aircraft on the deck of that carrier, unless they're going to replace one of the units that's already by Israel, if it's going to pick up other aircraft in the area. But I did note on some of the film, I don't think they meant it to be public, they pulled up on deck. They pulled out from the hangar below, pulled up on deck, and it sure looked like a B-21 nuclear bomber to me. It's either that or it's one of the um, uh, drones that looks like the B-21. So I think they're trying to hide it till they get close, but I think there's a surprise for the enemy on that ship. And probably quite a few of them, actually, which would be a game changer in the Middle East. Now, uh, Ken, I assume that some of these aircraft carriers are interchangeable, that a, a plane could land on 
more than just one. They're not tied to the the exact carrier that they launch from, right? Right. The only thing is with the Gerald Ford, it has a different catapult system than the other carriers do. So any of the men flying planes would have to get used to that. Hmm. And I think that would be a learning process. It might take one or more liftoffs to get off to. So I don't necessarily think it's a replacement, but I don't know. But it's really weird. They don't mention that. Hmm. You know, they finally admitted a third carrier, but they don't mention any of the other. So now one of the things that worries me the most is we have two Ohio class submarines in a Mediterranean. They have 154 Tomahawk missiles, all nuclear tipped in each one. Now, to move two of those into one area is highly unusual. They never do that. So they must be planning on doing something. The Russian Navy is trying to work with Turkey to get some of their ships out so they can go to the uh, Mediterranean. But so far, the only thing they have available are the um, aircraft. Now, Anytime the military does a call-up for the reservists, like we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, and they're finally admitting, uh, you look at the personnel that they're calling up. Uh, People that were called first for the reserve and for the ones that were retired were medical personnel and security personnel. Now, the medical personnel basically will be staffing the field hospitals or the ships, anticipating casualties. They've also requested blood supplies, antibiotics, all kinds of medications. So I think our government is thinking this battle is a sure thing. Mm. I don't think this is going to stop. Everybody's going to go home and go, it's okay. I think they are anticipating something major. I don't know if it's going to be the Middle East. I don't know if it's Iran. Um, They are going to be positioned in a place where they can make attacks against a lot of places. There are an excessive number of recon aircraft by Kaliningrad in the Black Sea. Um, We have all of these assets available. You know, they're watching the Russians. They're watching everybody. So I don't know if the Middle East is their sole concern at this time. Ukraine, they're still having battles, but we weren't doing much besides supplying stuff there. So it's hard to tell right now what they're looking at doing. Um, now let's go to the United States here and I can really set your day off for you. Mm-hmm. All right. We have met, I've made kind of mentioned this a little bit before, not a lot. You know, many times I've mentioned the tunnel systems in China. There are about 5,000, three to 5,000 miles worth of tunnels. We don't know what's going on. So let me tell you what America has. You're going to really enjoy this. All right. We have, in Denver, Colorado, we have a subterranean, um, what do I want to say, city, for lack of a better better description. It is connected to Cheyenne Mountain, connected to Albuquerque, connected to Dulce, New Mexico, connected to Area 51, connected to the East Coast. Um, There's over 5,000 miles worth of tunnels. These basically have high-speed trains for operation. And we I heard a contractor talking about it the other day. I don't think he was supposed to, but he did. And we also remember that during Mr. Obama's uh, visit to Colorado years ago to Denver, uh, he took a train to NORAD also. So we know it's there. Now, our little ark, as it's called, under Denver, will hold 50,000 people. And then you have to consider all the other places across the United States that they have also. Now, here's the problem. Those 50,000 people might survive the apocalypse, Armageddon, or whatever you want to call it. The only thing is I didn't get my ticket. I don't know if you guys got your ticket, but those people are pre-selected. They will be moved in a hurry. So if you see... People in the IT industry or surgeons or anybody with specific knowledge worry because, you know, things are going to be starting and they're going to be starting immediately. Now, I've noticed a lot of the command and control aircraft going from D.C. to the uh, Offutt Air Force Base where there's a large bunker. I've seen them go into Colorado. I've seen them go into other places. So I knew I know they're already moving 
some people into position. You yeah. know, something's going to happen. I think that's right. And by the way, this all goes way back to the 80s and the Iran-Contra affair when Ali North was under oath. And that's when the whole Rex 84, uh, uh, Rex 84, what was it? The readiness, uh, basically a continuity of government uh, plan uh, that was, you know, declassified and and put out basically where when the president declares a national emergency, there are certain uh, people and forces that could be, you know, moved to a secure location and uh, they would be detained at, at various military bases and so forth uh, run by FEMA. Uh, so anyway, it, Rex 84, if people want to look that up, is pretty powerful stuff. But we know uh, back in what was d- disclosed back then that Denver, Colorado was set to be the new U.S. capital capital in the event that the Washington, D.C. was, you know, destroyed. And so, uh, you know, I've reported on this going back 10, 15 years. I have pictures of some of the satanic murals that were in the Denver airport. They're not there anymore. They finally took them down after such a public outcry, but it was, you know, showing children being, you know, killed and just horrific scenes. Uh, and it was just right there in the baggage claim area, right on the walls, artwork. It was called massive murals that they can, you know, uh, commissioned someone to do. Um, so we we talked about the, the underground stuff and there's a lot of misinformation about Denver, but it is a provable fact that they definitely have tunnels under the, the Denver airport that it was listed in uh, leaked documents as a new center of the United States kind of uh, headquarters in the event of an end of the world scenario. Uh, lots of, of what Randy's saying here is uh, is absolutely spot on. Well, all of what Randy is saying is spot on. <laughs> it, really, it, really, it really disturbed me when I heard this guy talking. And then I did a little more checking. And you can actually find this if you research it. But there's 50,000 people there. And God only knows how many people in other places. But we have no fallout shelters in the United States. In other words, they don't care what happens to us, right? So if you think you're going to get some big alert, from NORAD or Homeland Security or something, that we have incoming missiles, that we have something taking place. The only thing you're going to do is you're going to see somebody probably block off all communications, come to your door, tell you you're under martial law. And we would like to take this, this, and that. Because I do believe CBDC was the plan originally. I think we are in so much trouble right now that they might use... uh, Biden's executive order, 14067, I believe, and the Production Act of 1950 to take from us what they want and what they need. And by law, they can have it all. It is theirs. Yeah, and of course, if they want to seize stuff, they don't need a law to do it. They just need a gun, and that that's you know <laughs> already a rogue nation that that can do that. But yeah, let me rephrase what I said a moment ago about most of what you say is spot on. What I really <laughs> meant was most of what you say is stuff that I have independently verified through the years. What was new in this latest revelation, which I completely uh, believe is is plausible, is the tunnel from Denver to uh, to to NORAD. Now I can actually go one further. I think there's a lot of evidence that there are tunnels, not just from Denver to Nora, but from Denver all the way to the East Coast, all the way up to the Pacific Northwest, uh, all the way down to um, uh, New Mexico and uh, Los uh, Dulce in that area. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I know that some of that stuff is kind of hard to believe, but it certainly when you start to understand the, the conspiracy the grand conspiracy, the one the Bible talks about. You know, I know people don't like to talk about conspiracies, but when people have problems using the word conspiracy, they're they're apps, apps actually proving themselves to be victims of the CIA disinformation campaign going back to the 60s when they created the term conspiracy theory, weaponized it. And uh, so you're just playing right into the hand of the CIA when you don't use the term conspiracy the way it's lexically meant, which is Two or two or more people working together to commit a crime, usually in secret. So there is a grand conspiracy. The Bible talks about it. I've talked at length about the Hebrew and Greek terms conspiracy uh, in my first uh, Spirit of the Antichrist book, Volume One. I talk about the history of that term. I give you the the declassified documents. You can actually see pictures of them. Uh, so when I talk about the grand conspiracy, there are people out there who are conditioned to just picture me in a tinfoil hat and dismiss me out of hand. Uh, but 
the reality is uh, that would be a mistake uh, because uh, there are false conspiracies. Not every conspiracy is true, uh, but a conspiracy uh, is something that you need to check out and see if it's true. And so there's there is uh, definitely uh, a lot of evidence to show that there are you know, over in the Ozark Mountains, for example, we know this, we've seen pictures of it. I've driven by the entrances to it. Uh, there are underground tunnels that are massive. You call them cities. That's a good good term for them. You have, you know, convoys of, you know, semi-tractor trailer, 53-foot trailers going in to inside these mountains and going, you know, all over the place from there. So, uh, there's just so much that we don't know, uh, but I, I would just encourage folks, this is kind of a side note, but uh, I mentioned this to our premier members last night in a premier member uh, Zoom session that we had. You know, uh, Einstein famously said, and I have this as an inscription in my first volume, uh, condemnation without examination is the height of ignorance. So if you want to study the conspiracies and 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 can come to a different conclusion for me, that's fine. I, I respect that. Not everybody's going to agree, and I certainly could be wrong. But what really irks me is when people dismiss it out of hand uh, and just assume you're nuts just because, you know, they've never heard it before and they've never taken the time to study it. So you owe it to yourself to be good Bereans of the Word of God and good Bereans of truth in general. And uh, I think that what Randy's saying here, um, I don't know if I don't know, Randy, if I can say that you're you're batting a thousand because I don't know that anybody bats a thousand except the Lord, but you're pretty close. Well, we missed, you know, Putin told us he'd be out of the Ukraine in August. He lied. Yeah. He's still there. But I think pretty much otherwise. But I really couldn't pass up that little shot there. Just I don't give many chances. So <laughs> I thought I'd take advantage of that. But anyway, understand that the government is for the government and the elite are for the elite. And you and I are um, happenstance. We uh, they have to put up with us. Um, you know, the United States has contingency plans they're drawing up to evacuate 600,000 U.S. citizens from the Middle East. Now, I don't know how you evacuate 600,000 people. Mm. I don't remember how many people were at Dunkirk or any of the other places. But, you know, if they charge them like they did the original people in the Middle East to fly them out or put them on the cruise ship, you know, we might get rid of part of the deficit here. You know, you charge them all a thousand bucks, 600,000 people. That could make a little bit of a dent. We could, um, you know, take care of the deficit just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but maybe. They'd probably charge us for it, right? All right. The last few things I have. China. China has moved some of their ICBMs to southern China. They are looking at Guam, California, Hawaii, and Japan. And they have moved quite a bunch there. Now, why would they move them if they didn't intend on using them? They also stated that they're planning on a new pandemic, which we've all been saying there's going to be another pandemic. I mean, the government can't get that out of their mind, so we know it's coming. But, you know, if the Chinese are actively preparing for it. They know something we don't. Um, they've replaced their foreign minister and the defense minister. And, um, you know, something's happening there. Now, the last thing, we talked back in March or April when the banks were having a lot of trouble. We talked about the bank funding term program where basically if the banks needed money, they could borrow it from the Fed and that would carry them through. And at that time, they had to repay it within 90 days. Now they get a year. The problem was they tell us that the banks are in great shape. Um Initially, they tapped that reserve for $63 billion in loans to different banks. Now, the problem is it's up to $105 billion now. That leads me to believe that things aren't so good. We have more banks going down, getting ready to go down. Uh, we still have to worry about the dollar not being worth anything. Um, the retirees are going to get 3.2% as a raise for their um, Social Security I don't know about you guys, but the way McDonald's is going, we might have enough for a lunch there. Why is that? 3% really is pretty much worthless. Um, things, are, things are close. Um, I fully expect the military, I, the Israelis, to be doing something very, very quickly because they cannot survive a constant attack by Hamas and Hezbollah. There's more of a war going on there than we know, but Netanyahu is going to have to tell Mr. Biden, look, we got to do what we've got to do to protect ourselves. 
we want you there for backup. And hope he goes through and does that. The only thing is, I will tell you right now, we all know that Israel is in their promised land and they're not leaving. They will be there until the second coming. Amen. So, something's going to happen. If we can't provide it, God will. And I got to tell you what, that will be something that the world has never seen before. Yeah, no doubt. Well, Randy, this was excellent info as always. Um, and, you know, it's uh, so many things to keep up with, and it's just good to, to get information on a variety of fronts and a variety of topics. We really appreciate your time. And folks, again, as Randy just said, you know, number one, we the takeaway here is that God is faithful. As we read in Ezekiel at the outset of the program, God has a future for national Israel. You can count on that. He's not uh, going to forsake his people. Uh, number two, God is faithful to us, that the faithfulness to Israel is a great reminder to us, and we see passages in the New Testament that reiterate our security in Christ and that He will never leave us or forsake us, as Jesus said uh, shortly before He ascended to the right hand of the throne of God. So, um, you know, keep your, your eyes fixed on the Lord. As I mentioned at the outset, if you don't know the Lord, uh, place your faith in Him today. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. You can't be good enough to get it. The only way to have eternal life is to trust in Jesus Christ who purchased it for you with His own blood when He paid your penalty on the cross. So folks, uh, uh, stay tuned this week. We've got a lot more coming. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, tomorrow we've got uh, Bill Salas on the program uh, we've got Friday, John Haller on the program, and Saturday, Shane uh, and Randy will be back with us uh, to talk about technology and warfare. So we we love you. We appreciate you. Stay in touch. Let us know if we can ever do anything for you. Notbyworks.org is how you can uh, get a hold of us. So until next time, God bless everyone, and have a great week. <music>